Hello. Welcome to the Unstoppable Life podcast with Berna Haywood, the original Spice Girl from Grenada. The island of spice and all that's nice. I am here to spice up your life with a sprinkle of faith, a dash of hope, and a pint of love. This podcast is a space for every woman and man to grow. Not only grow in faith, but grow in wisdom, confidence, and develop their relationships, as well as know their human rights that God gave each one of us. Each week, you will hear topics from women and men to help you build a solid foundation. Now, let me introduce you to my special guest. Fantastic. Here we are. You know, I said I was going to introduce you to my special guest. And my special guest is Diana Bosler. She is a life coach. But more than that, you know, she just finished her meditation coaching as well. This is a woman that don't stop. She's looking for ways of how she can encourage you, but also not just about encouraging you, it's about your well-being because after all, she's in service. And that's what this is all about, you know. We got to know each other by having a conversation because I saw her on a on a group training we had um, because I did my life coaching and I saw her on that program and I just had to meet her because her way of thinking and her sensibility and the nature of everything, it was just meant having a conversation with her and that conversation was powerful. And in our talking, you know, while we were conversing um, and I was talking about what I have been through and what it is that I am doing with this Unstoppable Life podcast in terms of abuse, in terms of I created it so that I could speak to women on how to gain their power back and how to not allow anyone to strip them of their power. But then I soon found out that it's not just women that lose their power and it's not just women that are being abused. Men are also being abused. So what this podcast is all about is about how we can be, um, not think we have dominion over anyone. And in so doing, I we then connected on a different level because as a coach, she has experience where in dealing with different people, men have, she have come across lots of men who have experience. Welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I just want to thank you for being here with us. And we want to hear all your wisdom because we believe that not just men and women need to hear, but everyone needs to know how to live with one another. What is a, you know, we all have our roles and no one has dominion over another person. So I'm just going to open the floor for you so that you can introduce yourself more in depth and then we can just take the conversation forward. Thank you very much, Ron. I'm really happy that you've invited me to be here with you. I've, uh, over the years, run into a lot of people who've suffered from abuse. When I was working for a law firm, it was, I think that was the most impressive time because that was a man that was being abused and trying to get a divorce, which was really hard on him. And um, one of my friends 
was a police detective for a while who also dealt with a lot of people who were abused. So those stories were also quite impressive. So I've seen a lot over the years. And uh, so it's a topic that's quite near to my heart because it's just yeah quite awful when people go through it and don't see a way out. There is a way out, but it's not always easy to find that way. And that's uh, yeah quite a difficult, difficult situation to be in. Yeah. And, and as you say, there is a way out, but they can't really seem to find it. I know for me, having gone through so much uh, when I was younger and growing up and you know, all the different stages uh, to the point, uh, you know, in my marriage, I had to leave with a hundred pounds in a suitcase and start my life from from, uh, from fresh. It wasn't that easy. It may sound easy, but it wasn't that easy because it, it takes planning. Tell me, how did you... How did you handle that? How did you assist your client and knowing that other people were experiencing that? Well, well the, the person from the law firm, the case that we had back in the day, for him, the, the parts where it made it a bit easier was that he didn't have children with his wife. He, he was severely abused, ended up in the hospital a couple of times, which was really sad, but he also really loved her and that made it really difficult for him to leave his whole life was surrounded by her so she had a lot of control eventually he did end up talking with the solicitor that was working for and we had lots of long conversations with him about what his steps were to take because he was also a very highly educated person so he was teaching at the university so it wasn't like he was some you know someone who wouldn't know anything he he knew that he had ways but he also found it really hard he was also worried about what what she might do to his family because there had been threats and that's one of the th reasons that a lot of people stay the threats towards others so eventually he did leave and it all worked out well but it took him i think over two years from the first conversation that we had with him until he finally really left and got you know filed for divorce and everything but it took, took quite some time yeah it's it's quite sad <laughs> I, I mean i am um, i remember my situation and um you know, when my uh, then husband said, because he was in the army and he said that he was going to bring a gun home, I just, that just, you know, my antenna went up and I just thought, no way am I being killed in this marriage or am I going to go mental or whatever the case might be. So as a praying person, I started praying immediately and started using words because words is a weapon, words are seeds, words are powerful. So I started using words that will help to build me up and to help me to find a way to, of escape. I didn't even let it, um, because soon after we got married, it started. It started before we got married. But I easy. turned a blind eye to it. Just, yeah. you know, it's not nothing. So before the year up for, oh, was it a year? I think it was, yeah, less than a year before I'm, a, I, you know, in our marriage. And I just decided, can't take a year of this, uh, mm -hmm. you know. So what did you think? I know it's, you know, love sometimes. Then when we love someone, we can overlook all their faults. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think is it the love or the fear or the shame? I think what it's do you a think most thing. of all? Um, I don't think it's one thing. So I think it's several things. So one of the things that I've seen people do is ignore red flags because they think mm, it will be okay, he'll change or she'll change, uh, things will get better, once we live together it will be better. Once, So a lot of people think that once the relationship gets closer, the other person will be less insecure and therewith less controlling. 
it tends to work exactly the opposite. The more control they get, the more controlling they become. And then there's also the, the feeling of, I love that person. I don't want to be without them. And that then frequently comes from a background where that's a familiar feeling. So one of the things that I've noticed with people who've gone through abuse, uh, that they, they, they've experienced something of that sort in their childhood frequently. So one of my friends, she tends to end up with very difficult relationships, but that's related to how difficult her relationship with her father was. And she, she, she's not even all that clear about it at times, that the men she's looking for are similar to what her dad was and how he treated her. And as a child, you can't do anything about it. That's just the way it is. And you're there to survive. So you will do anything to survive. So you adjust your behavior. You adjust to what your parents want you to be or your parent or your caregiver, whatever they are. And when you keep doing that as an adult, you start ignoring red flags and you start to see that things that you shouldn't see as love, you start experiencing those as that's what they do to love me. But that's what happened in the past when they were young, but it's not really what it's supposed to be now anymore. Because an adult relationship is very different than one with a parent, especially when it's an abusive parent. And even some people can't get out of it at all anymore. They end up... So I know of one man in his 50s, his mother has never really treated him well. And he's still living with her because that's what he needs to do. He needs to take care of her because that's what his mother expects. She expects him to treat her like a very, you know, princess, basically. So he's always taking care of everything she needs and has never really managed to get his own life sorted, which is also quite sad. But if he would end up with a relationship with another woman at some point, because his mother is in her 80s now, so she will at some point kick the bucket. I don't know what kind of relationship he would have with that woman then, because he's not even aware of what's happening now. I've tried to talk with him a bit about it, but he's very oblivious to it in many ways. The way she treats him is unbelievable. He can't see another woman. She doesn't like her. She's jealous. Well, that alone is quite unhealthy. That's alarming. <laughs> it is quite alarming. Yeah. And for a man in his 50s, he should have his own life in the meantime. Yeah. You know, he's not a, he's a son. He's not a mate. He's not her partner, and yet she she wants to have total control over him. And it's quite sad that he can see that because he, it's almost as though he's blinded. He's quite blind toward it. It's, it's quite a blind spot in his life. I've, it's been interesting because he's done a few things for him over time, and his mum doesn't like it when I have contact with him. So at some point he said that he, because I've done things for him, we've talked about a lot of things, and I've helped him with a few things, his thing was that he wanted to take me out to dinner. But then he said, but then my mom has to be with my sister, otherwise she would be jealous. And I thought, whoa, whoa, do you hear what you're saying there? He wasn't aware of it. It was fascinating. Oh. His mom can't be home. She has to be at his sister's. Yeah. And I, and I suppose, you know, when we, we sit back and as women, we think men are not experiencing that. I can, you know, when you talk about mm -hmm. jealousy um, with my then husband, it was like you had to be home at a certain time. You couldn't mm -hmm. speak to this one. You couldn't speak to that one. Yep. Do you think you know, in that kind of environment, this is what he's experiencing? Yes, because his mom's always told him which friends he can have and he can't have. So in a, new, in a relationship with someone else, he'd expect the same thing. And people who go through that, and I know of different women who've had these situations where their partner, or also men, but mostly women, their partner would tell them, I don't like that friend. I don't want you to talk to them anymore. And check their phones, whether they would still be chatting. Um, one, of, one of the people that I know, she had a very, very close friend that she'd had for a long time. Her boyfriend didn't like her, so she ended the contact. But then later on, when things got to a head on, 
because of all the problems that were arising in their marriage. She really needed that friend. That friend was there for her, which was good. Because a lot of people then also think, well, you dropped me back then, never mind now. Mm-hmm. But the dropping a friend usually does not happen from a good place. Unless no. there's a lot of bad stuff happening between two. But yeah. in general, when someone just drops you, it's more of what's going on in their life than that they really want to drop you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, I I can attest to that because I mean I had a lot of friends that just pulled back because they could see what was happening, and there were times when I had to put my foot down that I was not. I remember one of my friends was getting married, and I said to her, "Don't buy a wedding dress. Mine will just be hanging up there. You could use mine." Mm-hmm. And I loaned her the wedding dress because they didn't have a lot of money. We decided to all pull together and help them prepare stuff for their wedding because it wasn't, yes. you know, it's not something, it's a, a, a happy time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they can't get married because they don't have a lot. What we can put together, we can help them. And he decided I wasn't going to go and I wasn't going to take part and I wasn't going to do this. And I decided I am going. I am mm-hmm. helping her. I am doing this. And I remember him running after me in a T-shirt, my favorite T-shirt, running after me and hitting me, grabbing the keys to my apartment and all of that. And I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And everybody in the road is seeing this happening. And we are Christians, you know. So I can I can see where the fear is as well. But also the stigma. There is a stigma, mm-hmm. especially for men, to come out and say this is happening. Because if there is a stigma for women, it's even worse for men. Yes. So how can we how can we do something about that? How can we help them to the open? Keeping in contact as much as possible. Mm. And because the one thing that's very clear to me is that most people who are in an abusive relationship sort of lose all their friends over time because that's to isolate them. And to prevent that from happening is keeping in touch with them. And also, so um, I've also offered myself up to friends because I don't have a bedroom, I don't have a spare bedroom. So I've always told them, when you need a place to run to, my sofa's here for you. And several of my friends have been really happy to just know that just in case, it's there. And not all of them are in a, in a physically abusive relationship. Some are, not really just, but in, a, in an emotionally abusive relationship, which can be really bad as well. But just knowing that there's a way out will give them more strength to take the steps to get out. So everybody who's known that my sofa was there for them got strengthened by them just by having that knowledge. Because then there's a possibility instead of only impossibilities. And the moment you see one possibility, you start seeing more possibilities. So that's one of the things that I've always found really important to make sure that people know my sofa's here. I'm really glad you brought that up. That is important to... Because we have this tendency when we see some someone may mm-hmm. shy away from us to think that, well, they don't want to speak to us for mm-hmm. whatever reason. But it's because there is and something underlining and it's important for us to have an open mind. We can be so judgmental at times. Mm-hmm. And, and when we find a friend is going through a difficult moment, this is a time when we should stick closer mm-hmm. to them and give them that assurance that uh, no matter what, I am here. Yeah, go ahead. I've been in a pretty bad relationship at some point in my life. The one who pointed it out, because I was really thinking that I started having memory problems, and the one who pointed out to me that that was not the case was my neighbor, because at that point I didn't even have friends anymore because everybody bailed. And when she pointed that out, that no, 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 he's really messing with your head, that's when I started writing things down, started keeping track of what actually have I said, what's actually going on. 
she was also the one and that was really good that she was there for me i'm i'm eternally grateful to her and i still have contact with her because i'll never forget that that was really 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 beautiful of her to do yeah i think it's very hard for people to understand what someone go through during that is like i heard someone said to me well he's never hit to me but he said i'm too big i'm too this i'm mm-hmm. too that well he doesn't have to hit you to or right. the yeah. woman doesn't have to hit you to for you to realize you're being abused is that psychological and that emotional abuse that then started eroding your mm-hmm. belief and your confidence in yourself and therefore once that starts happening what's there what's left at some point nothing you know one of the things that a lot of people do is to adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust and when you go down that route at some point you don't recognize yourself anymore and when you go too far you start even hating yourself because you become a person that is not you and i remember what i what i did in the in the relationship where things were pretty bad is that he didn't like certain clothing i was wearing that i'd had for ages so i wasn't allowed to wear that anymore then the same thing was with makeup i wasn't allowed to use any or well when we would go out it would be to his liking which used to be pastel type of colors which i find looking awful on me so i'd rather not wear any then so it was all kinds of things like that and as i was just a teenager i wasn't really all that aware of what was going on and it was also a slow process it was not like he told me all of that clothing has to go no it was one by one things had to go it was just, you know, whenever I would, would put it on, it would be, you know what, I really don't like that on you. Can you put something else on? And it wasn't, it wasn't that very clear. It's, it's, it's always, a, I, th- I think it's always a slow process. Well, for the most part, maybe not always, but for the most part, it's a slow process. It's this thing of you, when you love someone, you want them to be happy. So, you know, there's this one thing as well where, where women are raised in a different way than men in general, as we have to, you know, please the partner we're with we have to adjust a bit and i do think that you do adjust a little bit when you're in a relationship because that's just you know you get to know each other and you just adjust a little bit but it shouldn't go too far it should be within what you're okay with doing and that doesn't always happen yeah it's that yeah sorry is that domineering factor they want to dominate you and once they're able to dominate you because then i think it's more control yeah yeah so they they use words and this is where mm. words are so important it's important to understand what you're listening to mm-hmm. yeah. not just hearing but mm-hmm. listening yeah. because sometimes you think you are hearing but you're not really listening and there is a difference between the two so uh, uh, could you tell me a little bit about that because like in your coaching i'm sure you yeah. can find ways of expressing that one of the things that i find really important with coaching but also with being with friends is to figure out what they're actually saying so one of the the things that i use is reflecting back to people when i'm trying to understand them so it's being really curious about what they're saying what they're thinking and then being present with them to make sure that you really focus on them but then also reflecting back because sometimes what i understand is not what they're trying to say so then i want them to explain it again and with people who are in abusive relationships it's even more important because they try to hide it a little once they feel very you know very safe with someone they will open up more 
And once they open up, then there's the possibility of helping them a bit more. Because you can't do an awful lot as an outsider of that because you're not in that relationship and they will have to make the difficult decisions and take the really difficult steps themselves. But just being there as someone that they can lean on a bit, that will really help them. So it's offering assurance. And... Mm, offering, offering a shoulder to cry on. Because I can't, really, I can't really offer any assurances because I don't know what the situation is. So I can be there for them to listen to them and I can tell them which organisations can help them, for instance. I've done that. I have somewhere a list of, of organisations in the UK that help people who are in bad situations. So it's those kind of things. But, I, you know, I've, I would be willing to take my car and pick someone up. But most people don't want that because that's that's a very, very direct thing. Then it's And it's probably safer when they would get an organisation involved, especially when there are children. Yeah. Because then it can be coordinated better than just yeah. a friend picking them up. Because they, you know, the the abusive partner usually knows where the friend lives, mm-hmm. and they frequently have to disappear for a bit. Yeah. So it's a it's a way of safeguarding you as well, yeah. um, and then <laughs> and then knowing that they probably can't tell a lie mm-hmm. um, about who picked you up, where have you been, and stuff like that. I remember my neighbor, um, she wasn't like you. She's the one that, you know, said to me, when I'm scared for you. Mm-hmm. And I asked, what do you mean? She said, I always look through the keyhole because I was renting, I was my apartment was downstairs and she lived upstairs. And she said, I'm always looking through the keyhole to see if I could find the movements uh, or I could hear um, mm-hmm. a voice um, because... Uh, Something, I think when that, that incident happened, um, somebody she knew in the army, um, he was retired, but she knew that I knew him and yeah. she contacted him and then they did some search and then found out he has a temper, he has an attitude. And then mm. she said to me, um, there is lots I can tell you, but I don't want my name to be called because when people uh, make in love, lots of things come out and I don't want to be yeah. to be involved. So she did not say a lot to me, but what she wanted me was to just be careful. And I suppose that that then opened up a different um, can of worms for me because then I had to look clearly because one of the things was the way he spoke to his mother was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a little bit strange that you're speaking to your mom like that. And yeah. the mother was like, oh, that's how we speak to one another. And I'm like, hello. Mm-hmm. That was alarming. So yeah. you talked about red flags. And I suppose yeah. that was one of the red flags, you know. Um, yeah. And you spoke about uh, when a girl growing up and the way her dad treats her, mm-hmm. you know, she's looking Even for more. somebody in that and as vice versa. You know, yeah. there's a man or woman. If we go back to the gentleman mm-hmm. who is 50 years old and his mom is 80 and she's been jealous of him having a relationship. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how would he find a companion because it seems to it seems as though he will end up being a loner or find himself in a, another abusive uh, relationship because he's going to yeah. think that's love. Well, he's also incredibly insecure because he's older now. He also feels like nobody would want him. He he feels like he's not achieved anything in life. So he's got self-esteem issues. He's got you know. Yeah, he's got all sorts of problems in the meantime. Oh, over the years that I've known him, I've only seen him go downhill, which is really sad because he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah, no, he's. I think he's gonna. Yeah, either alone or in a similar relationship as what he's got with his mom because he's been with her for 
He's 53, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. His whole life. That's all he knows. And his mum was really angry when his, his sister got a partner. So. so so how can we, how can you help someone like that? Is I mean, they have to be willing to yeah. do the work. Mm-hmm. They have to be willing to want to free themselves yeah. of that situation. So I guess I'm curious. I'm just trying to find a way of how can we, how can you assist someone like that? And if someone is listening right now, you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast right this very moment, and you are in that situation, or you know of someone in that situation, I just want you to listen and and let them know that you know we have you know we are here for them. Yeah. You know, um, Diana, who has experienced that, is an experienced coach, and she can help them. So. How can you how can you help someone who is in a situation like that try and see the light of day that they need to love themselves because what they think what they seen as love is actually not love. No. So, so yeah, I have these kind of conversations with clients um, because um, I tend to work with men more than with women for some reason, and um, many of them have special needs but are also very very intelligent so they're quite gifted and have special needs and what I found is that some of them because of that end up in difficult relationships and then the main thing is for me to help them to see the value in themselves see how worthy they are what they've been doing all their lives so many of them have been quite well in taking care of a lot of frequently still exes as well that they keep taking care of them to make sure that they don't end up in a difficult situation But that doesn't mean that their situation is healthy because they are kind of used then, which is not healthy. So helping them feel that they are worthy of people's love and attention and helping them learn how to feel more liberated and free. Because it's about wanting to be free and actually working towards becoming free. And um, so the, the man in his 50s. As he's been a friend for some years, we do have conversations and every now and then I'm not coaching him because that's just not really working. So it's just friendship. But I do do try to show him that he's he's been a valuable member of society for a long time. He's had a job, he's done quite. And um, so trying to, to help him see women of his own age would not have a problem having a relationship with him and that his mother basically now needs a carer because she's got health issues. It's been a journey. They, I think there is a carer coming around the house now, slowly but carefully, but his mum never wanted that. But it's also not a job that he was able to. He doesn't have the qualifications or the experience to do these kind of medical treatments that she needs on a daily basis. So it was not a wise thing for him to do. it. And those kind of, kind of conversations were you know, helping people see their blind spots, where they're completely oblivious to what's going on. It's that kind of stuff that I'm trying to help people because at times it's difficult because not everybody wants to see their blind spots. Sometimes mm-hmm. it defends people. And that's okay as well because then at least I've planted a seed. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I suppose planting the seed is the, is the mm-hmm. thing because a farmer don't get um, a crop as soon as he plants them. Nope, it takes, it takes a cycle yeah. for him to get that crop. 
And it's the same thing we do when we speak to people and the same thing you're doing. Just the script, just by planting those seeds. Mm -hmm. And the more you nurture it, the more you speak into the person, it starts taking root. And the light bulb starts Mm -hmm. flickering. It may not shine brightly, but it starts to flicker. Eventually it will shine brightly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and as you say, eventually it shines brightly. So here I am, I'm thinking right now, because you said, you know, the mother is in a situation where she needed medical attention and mm-hmm. he doesn't have the qualification or the know-how to deal with that. So the idea that he is able to get somebody in who have that speciality, do you see that... Uh, do you can you see that that grip is loosening on him and he's able to see things differently or is he still he he does see that it's an unhealthy relationship so that's at least something and he calls it controlling so that's also something and he used to not do that i think the first few steps are the hardest once you start seeing things you start seeing more and more and more and more so eventually it's it's a bit like you know when you push um a, a, a big rock down a hill initially it's hard but eventually it gets momentum and i think that's where he's at now that slowly but carefully it starts to get some momentum where he starts seeing things and not healthy and his sister has pointed it out to him a couple of times as well that it's not healthy what's going on so that's something as well yeah we'll see i mean it's great that he has a loving sister that's a that's a really loving sister that can yeah i can point it out to him and at least he's listening and yeah, his sister think... ran when she was in her early 20s. Oh. She ran into a guy and left because she didn't want to be in that kind of situation. Mm. And has ever since basically told him it was not healthy. Mm. But it was hard for him to acknowledge that. Now he's slowly but carefully doing it. There's growth. Yeah, I, I suppose as well he's thinking, my sister ran, I can't just leave my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I love no, my mom. No, that was one of the reasons why he stayed. And he also, you know, as a, as a teenage boy, he also already felt like nobody would ever want him, that he was not cut out for a relationship and all these things and anything. But who told you that? Because that's the one thing that I find really important is to ask people, who told you that? Because yeah. frequently, you know, when, when you start thinking about it, as a young child, we get told things about ourselves. So we're basically the accumulated opinions of others. Because yeah. as a young child, you don't judge it. You don't think about it. You don't have any idea of that they might be wrong but they might be because just you know you're a little baby how can anybody know who you are nobody does but then slowly but carefully you get told that you don't like this you don't like that you do like this you do like that you'll behave like this or that but is that really true i found that some of the things that i thought were true about me aren't true so i had to work on that a bit and i think that's for a lot of people so once you once you think nobody will want you that's how you're going to live. But is that really true? Probably not. And who told you? Who told you you're not worthy of a not loving partner? Who told you that you have to suck it up because you don't have to? Well, I mean, this is such a wonderful conversation. Um, I can just see it going on and on and on and on and on because there is there's just so, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, you know, I, I'm i not sure I have listened to a podcast where I'm sure there might be those out there that will speak to men as well as to women about 
understanding um, the situation that you are in and understanding the different levels of abuse and that is out there. It's not just physical abuse. There's a lot of them. Yeah, because this person that I spoke about who said that uh, you know, her husband never hit her or anything like that, but he used words. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but she didn't see those as abuse. Uh, and I think um, at one time it got so bad, I think, where he ended up collapsing and died. And, uh, you know, she ended up blaming herself for it. But it had nothing to do with her. It's just his mentality and his attitude. Yeah. And I think that came from his family. Mm-hmm. So when so I think what we need to do basically is check out the background before we yeah. enter into a relationship. Check out of the background of the person you're entering mm-hmm. into that relationship with. How does that person see themselves? Mm-hmm. And you may love that person undeniably, but can you cope with the situation? Loving someone doesn't mean you have to live with them. It's two different things. Yeah. You know, a couple of things that I've found very interesting over the years is seeing how they treat others, how they talk about others, especially their own family, people close to them, but also how they treat pets, because that's a very, very clear thing. When someone cannot treat a cat or a dog decently, are you sure they're going to treat you decently? It's something that is worth questioning. Funny you said that, because I remember my, I had a, a small dog, and I called him Buster, because mm-hmm. he's as brown and white and fluffy and fluffy. He'll take walks, and if I'm coming home, he'll be excitement yeah. the moment my husband steps in doesn't go close at all so the dog was even when we were dating the dog was like knew that hey mm-hmm. hey hello but we ignore all these signs mm-hmm. so it's funny that you brought that up and it just brought me back to buster how Bust i remember buster got a diary he had serious diary and i was like what did he eat what you know Mm. He doesn't go outside and play because the other dogs are too big. He's at home. So when I come home, I take him out. What happened? And then he used to get a diary whenever he came. Dog got really, really sick. I had to take him to the vet. So these are just little signs Mm. to look for. As you say, if you have a pet, just pay attention because the pet is going to tell you, you know, Mm -hmm. hello, this is not... I am not resonating with this person. This person does not have a good feeling mm-hmm. because there is something that about intuition and they have intuition as well. They, 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 are, they have their own spirit because they are mm-hmm. a spirit. They're just living in a, in a, a yeah. dog body, a dog flesh. But mm-hmm. it is so important to pay it attention is. to all those things and all these little signs that we tend to ignore. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what are some of the... Um, red flags uh, before we end what are some of the red flags you think that people should look for um, a big one is how they respond to difficult situations how they respond to no one of the things that's really important to test out before you commit to anything is just say no just try see what happens see whether they accept it see whether they want to persuade you or coerce you or force you because there are plenty and it doesn't even have to be anything big it can be just about, you know, a cup of tea. Just say no. And then see what happens. When someone just accepts your no as a no, that's fine. But when they're saying, yeah, but we are supposed to, that's not really all that right. That's definitely a sign to wonder whether you know, 
other no's will be accepted. Just have a think about those kind of things and yeah, how they treat pets and family members. Because when a when a a woman or a man talks in a harsh way to parents and siblings, it's worth wondering whether you want to be talked to like that. When you don't want that, then there's no way in continuing with it. And you can love someone from a distance. You know the the person that I lived together with for a while that was pretty treating me pretty badly. I still really care about his well being. I still really want him to be happy. And I think he is, because at some point a friend of that we both had told me that he was very happy with his partner, and I hope his partner is also happy with him. Because it's not not the what I've what I've also seen is that when people are in an abusive relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person will be in an abusive relationship with the next person either. Sometimes they do, but sometimes something changes, and then it's a happy relationship. So that can also happen. Not always, but it's it's a fifty-fifty, I guess. Because frequently mm. it's also that you see that people go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, but always blame the other people. Yeah. When you've had lots of relationships, and they're all psychos that you've been with, you might want to wonder who the psycho is, basically. Because I've heard that thing as well. Yeah, there's a song of Michael Jackson about that, Change the yeah. Man in the Mirror. Yeah. The man in the mirror. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's quite fascinating when you think about it. Uh, you know, according to you, the red flag. I think the one for me was the mother because it's always say, look at how a man treats his mom, and if he treats his mom terribly, don't expect anything better. And I suppose I should have listened and think, well, no, it's not healthy mm-hmm. to speak to your mom or your sisters the way you did it. You know, and I remember saying that. I said, mm-hmm. it's not healthy. Uh, I said, I don't expect any better. I said it with my mouth. You know, I don't expect anything better. So if I, I'm saying I don't expect anything better, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Uh, and I guess you can think, well, one of the things I thought, you know, I'm getting older, uh, uh, you know, my, um, and they say your body clock is running down and everything else like that. And therefore you find yourself, you know, outside mm-hmm. of it. So so that's the whole thing about it. And, and that's where we tend to go wrong. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for coming into the, into the session thank with you for me. Having me. I'm really glad to have you here and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And Thank we you look forward much. to chatting with you again. Yes. yes. I look forward to it as well. Okay, Thank you great. so much. You're welcome.